On the Record with White House correspondent April Ryan. Well, for this installment of On the Record with April Ryan, um, it's bittersweet for me. I have a friend, a brother, um, someone Baltimore through and through, but he's left me. He's moved to Atlanta. <laughs> he's moved to Atlanta. I told him I'm so happy with um, his work and, and, and growing his ministry, but I have an allergic reaction to his move because, you know, Baltimore is a place <laughs> of fighters. <laughs> but I want to welcome, I want to welcome to our podcast, On the Record with April Ryan, my friend uh, and a fighter for justice, a true fighter for justice, the new pastor, the senior pastor of New Birth in Atlanta, Georgia. I want to welcome Pastor Jamal Bryant. Hello, Pastor Bryant. Hey, good morning, April Ryan. <laughs> I to- I've told you I've had a... I'm serious. Look, if I can tell you that, I can tell the world that I have. It, it took a lot for me. I... It- it- I'm still like kind of in shock. I'm like Jamal left Baltimore. What? But you know what? But the but the greatest thing is is that the greatest thing is is that. Um, you're a fighter for justice no matter what. And you'll be on any corner, be it Ferguson, be it Baltimore, Absolutely. be it Atlanta. So, first of all, tell us about uh, this. You're going into your third week, uh, your third yeah. sermon. I saw your first one. I still got to catch that second one on, on YouTube. But talk to me about what it's like, uh, this move from Empowerment Temple in Baltimore that you created to New Birth. I, I just uh, really felt, uh, April, that uh, it was time for a shift. Uh, John Elkridge wrote a book called Man at Heart. In uh, it, he says that every man has got to have a battle to fight, a challenge to win, and a woman to love. Uh, and if a man does not have a challenge, then he's going to be surrendered. Mm. For the last 18 years, I've been uh, pastoring in Palmer Temple, and I just about 16 months ago hit a hit a hit a wall that said it was time for me to do something different. I didn't know what that looked like or how it would manifest. Uh, But, you know, I'm 46, and I started the church at 28, and I've gone through all of the life changes uh, with no shift. And uh, never in a million years, one, did I think I would ever leave Baltimore. Number two, did I think, April, that I'd be at a Baptist church. So this is is a complete walk of faith for me. Yeah, you were AME, um, African Methodist Episcopal, and now you're Baptist. Um, But you know what? If if really, if it's really the Word of God, isn't it kind of non-denominational? The Word of God has no... uh, Absolutely. uh, uh, Sect, it's not just one group. So, yeah. So so, so talk to me about your vision for for New Birth, and then let's talk about politics and, and and and, yeah. and and the resistance that you continue with. Talk to me about New Birth. Uh, New Birth is a church uh, that uh, has uncanny potential. It is the largest landowner of a black church in America. Uh, we sit on somewhere in the orbit of 185 acres, uh, most of which is grossly undeveloped uh, and has uh, so much potential for economic development. Uh, it's one of the largest sanctuaries in America. It holds uh, about 8,500 people. Uh, has a full flourishing school and a family life center, a gymnasium that would rival Planet Fitness. For those of you who <laughs> uh, watch the own network, it is uh, the owner of uh, the mansion uh, that you see every week on Greenleaf sits on the property of New Birth. Um, so there's so many 
uh, nuances and uh, potential there that I'm uh, very excited. As you very well know, uh, Baltimore's population has shrunk in the last 10 to 15 years. And Atlanta is uh, one of the fastest growing metropolis uh, in the nation uh, with millennials and Gen Xers, Mm -hmm. uh, which is uh, who I believe I'm really ordained to minister to. Mm. Yeah, you are a millennial preacher. And it's, it's, you know, we found out with Bernie Sanders, it's not about age, it's about the message. And your message is very unique. And, and, and millennials grab it um, from the ratchet to the holy. They grab it. <laughs> but but yeah, that's going to be the title of my next book, April, from the ratchet <laughs> to the holy. I love it. I'm giving you no credit. You heard it here first. You will give me credit. Yes, you will, because you know I need credit. But you know, but it's interesting, and 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 you have you have a large assortment of friends from from all walks of life. But I ran into one of yeah. your friends recently, Marvin Sapp, the great gospel singer, um, who said, you know, and, and he's your, you, I mean, your real friend, guy you talk to every day. And you know, we were yeah. talking about your move, and he said, you know, it's great for him. He he can minister to larger numbers. So when he said that, I said, okay, I said I get it. And then when I watched. I got it. But let's talk about your ministry beyond Atlanta. Just recently, yeah. you challenged the president about, you know, bringing ministers to the table and the kinds of ministers and the kinds of people he brings to the table. And just this week, we saw he brought he brought a lot of African-Americans to the table talking about this um, this uh, empowerment zone uh, and opportunities. Yeah. And one of those happened to be someone from Baltimore. Um, is this what you're talking about when you, you say bring people to, to the table and to help? Um, I mean, he's talking about the potential of $100 billion in, in communities yeah. that need help. Is this what you're talking about? I don't have any record of this president's follow-through. Uh, the last time uh, we saw ministers go to the White House, it was around prison reform, and uh, he said he was going to table that until after midterms. And then uh, after midterms, he got rid of the attorney general. Uh, and so at this point, I'm weary of photo ops and uh, really want to see uh, where there'll be a trickle down that will impact the community. I was uh, gravely and grossly concerned when uh, Baltimore's mayor declined to visit, Maryland's governor declined to visit. Our own mutual friend, Congressman Cummings, uh, declined the visit, uh, but the pastor went. Uh, and so it's either a, uh, a bold step in the prophetic to trust that it's going to happen, or it uh, leaves us leery as to will this be the same song, just with a different dance. Mm. So you bring up the issue of prison reform, and it's ironic, this week uh, there's expected to be a vote in the Senate Um and there have been some changes uh, in the Senate version of the bill. The House passed the bill for prison reform. Now we're waiting for the Senate. And then if it does pass in the Senate, which they're expecting, there's got to be some kind of compromise. Um, what are your thoughts uh, on prison reform with this president? Because I hear it's not a perfect bill. I hear there are some flaws in it. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think that uh, I'm appreciative that Jared has taken this, uh, the president, son-in-law, has taken it personal. Uh, dealing with his own dad, uh, who uh, spent time in federal penitentiary, but they, that is always the higher side of uh, of the prison uh, reality. When you look at the fact that most black men who are in jail right now are in jail for nonviolent offenses, 
Uh, it's really white males who are uh, guilty of committing the most violent offenses from aggravated assault to murder to rape to molestation to armed robbery all the way down. And most of our men are in prison for possession or intention uh, to distribute. But the sentencing does not reflect that. And our whole prison system has to be uh, overhauled. And I'm not sure I have the confidence uh, that that will happen under this president. Uh, I'm grateful for the tremendous strides that happened in the most recent election uh, with Floridian returning citizens having access to the vote. Uh, and it really should be a staple across the country. But there's a lot of tweaking and negotiating that has to happen. I'm interested to see uh, now that uh, the Democratic numbers have risen, uh, what their impact will look like in the compromise. So and this is interesting. I talked to um, Congressman Clyburn on the incoming a majority whip yeah. in the House. And he said that um, this issue is a serious one. And they, you know, is a point that they had to come together on uh, just for the greater good to begin something. He, he equated it to the Civil Rights Movement. He said, you know, with the Civil Rights Act, he said it just wasn't the Civil Rights Act of 64. It was there were four different things that happened to, to really create the change in different years. So... And now Jared Kushner is is saying, well, he told me, and I can say this now, he told me once sentence, uh, prison reform is done that they will try to come up with, with uh, sentencing reform. But you have to remember, uh, Jeff Sessions was the one who held up the issue of crack cocaine right. versus powder cocaine, uh, bringing the disparity, uh, bridging the gap of the disparity. He stopped that from bringing it from one to one. He made it 18 to one versus one to one. So now uh, Sessions is gone and Jared Kushner says he wants to do sentencing reform after prison reform. What say you about this? Uh, I, I think that uh, Mr. Clyburn is, is right on point and that's why I'm excited about this new chapter, and I'm telling you the next session uh, starting in January is going to be the greatest reality show not to be on Bravo. <laughs> uh, everybody just ought to get popcorn and sit back and watch. Uh, Nancy Pelosi uh, has put on her, her big draws and says, come on with it. And, uh, Uh-oh, Nanchuk, like, Nanchuk, no, no, Nanchuk. Let's not do that one, but go on Nanchuk. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's going to really be a turning of the tide. What is going to be critical, even larger than that issue, is what the DNC is going to do about its messaging. Uh, this was a very tight election that you were covered massively in the midterms. But we were not victorious uh, in critical areas where I thought we should have been, uh, Florida, Georgia, and Maryland. And so how do we retool and recalibrate going into 2020 is going to be very significant. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that it does get down to sentencing reform, but it's going to have to come with a concerted effort. Huh. So what's your what's your what's your stake in this um, when it comes January? What, what happens? And you, and you say the reality show. I call it uh, the movie uh, Checks and Balances coming out January <laughs> yeah. 2019. We saw the the trailer the other day with Nanchuk uh, and the president. Yeah. yeah. But what's your stake in this? Um, what are you planning on doing? What is it about for you come January? But January is really building up the morale. I say to uh, young people as I travel across college campuses that Donald Trump did not win because of the voters. He won because of the people that didn't vote. 
Uh, and so uh, the, the NAACP historically has been on the front line in terms of uh, voter action, has three prongs, voter education, voter registration, get out to vote. Uh, and so it, I really believe part of my responsibility as pastor and now uh, being in the critical state of Georgia is raising awareness as to what's at stake, what's on the table. Uh, what does it mean with this uh, federal judge saying that Obamacare is unconstitutional? And uh, how it is that we begin getting in the trenches from uh, the college campuses to the housing projects, why it is that we've got to begin mobilizing now uh, for what the election uh, will look like in 20. Now, you just brought up the NAACP, and you have a history with the NAACP. What was your title yes. at the NAACP headquarters? Yes, under uh, then-President Kweisi and Fume, I was National Youth and College Director at the NAACP. Hmm. So that's why your message to millennials resonates. Um, in speaking of the NAACP, uh, in, in your past and your present and your future with them. The NAACP is asking um, African Americans to log off of Facebook because of one, how they allowed Russians uh, to infiltrate the black community with with information that was wrong. You know, as it relates yes. to Ferguson and Baltimore, and Baltimore was targeted uh, with the, the issue with Freddie Gray as well. And then you have Prada. They're going after Prada as well. Those two big issues just before Christmas. What say you about that? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I understand their intention, but I, I think they're a little off target. What they don't realize is most young people are no longer on Facebook. Their parents are. Uh, young people are on uh, Snapchat and Instagram. Uh, and you, when you look at the demographics, uh, it's almost like uh, the 1950s, you had churches railing against the radio, uh, saying that it wasn't of God. And then all of a sudden, all the preachers went on radio. Uh, I think that we've got to figure out another way other than uh, we're so used to our knee-jerk reaction being boycotting. Uh, where the, the, the real uh, symmetry of this hour is negotiating. Uh, so we've got to figure out how do we find that common denominator. The reality is you're living at an age where social media is oxygen. Uh, people look at their phones on average 600 times a day uh, when it's not ringing, when it's not vibrating. Uh, but it's become so much a part of the culture. And so I think uh, the NAACP has really got to reevaluate what is the most effective way for our messaging to be heard and felt. But they want, they also want more uh, brown and black faces in position to be able to, to thwart things that happen like this. And they say taking people off of Facebook, you know, will hit them in the pocket. And that speaks yes. um, volumes. And, and just like with Prada, they're going after Prada. They want to hit them in the pocket where it hurts with that black face that was reminiscent. Of no, 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 no. And I, I, yeah, I understand. I understand that. My, my point is, that the, the young adults will do it because they're not on it. Mm -hmm. And so um, I think that part of uh, the, the burden of the NAACP is how do you get young people more involved and engaged? Uh, the late Dick Gregory said uh, black people, when they were in trouble, would call on two names, Jesus and the NAACP. <laughs> and he said before he died, now we have a generation that doesn't call on Jesus or the NAACP. Uh, and so we got to figure out how do we remain relevant. I think that is needed and necessary for there to be more brown and black faces around the table. 
Uh, but at the same time, we got to figure out uh, what do we do to get more involvement and engagement uh, from a, a, a demographic and a generation that really feels disconnected. And Prada, you are very stylish. You are very stylish. You are very stylish. <laughs> the latest. That, that's how we met, April. That's how we met. <laughs> So <laughs> you are very. Now, I, I, now I'm, I'm with them a thousand percent that the devil wears Prada. So we, <laughs> I got to stand with them on that one now. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, look, our time is out. But do you have anything that you'd like to add to this? Uh, no, I'm just appreciative for the opportunity, and I want you to know uh, that you've got millions of supporters around the world who stand with you, that pray with you, uh, and believe in you. And I'm glad to be a part of this amazing podcast. And I'm going to get all of the members of New Birth right. and all those who are in my in my generation to subscribe to it so that we can always stay on the front line and know the real deal of what's taking place. Well, I so appreciate you. Um, and, and, and I really mean that um, from the bottom of my heart. Your support, your friendship. I mean, we've been in battles yeah. together. We're not going to even get into that. Just read my book. You'll find out about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you know what? And, and not only that, I mean, not only do I adore you, I adore your parents. Your father is a Thank preacher's you. preacher. He laid it out oh, yeah. years ago, and I was like, oh my gosh. And then your mama, her heart, and I love to watch her pray for you. And I love to watch yes, how she too. ministers. I know. <laughs> you are her greatest project. Um, well, absolutely. Yeah, and your sister, your sister's testimony, and all of you. All of you have a walk that is just amazing, and I'm so proud of you. I'm happy for you. Thank you. And we miss you. But, you know, God has you where you're supposed to be. I'm excited about it, and I'll always be back. And uh, so I'm coming to eat crabs at your house. You tell me when. Oh, yes. The sun porch is waiting, and my children <laughs> will, will welcome you there. So, all right. Well, <laughs> Pastor Bryant, the, the new senior pastor of New Birth Baptist Church in Atlanta, Georgia, thank you so much for joining On the Record with April Ryan. Don't forget to subscribe to On the Record on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or any other podcast directory. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review. On the Record, a product of American Urban Radio Networks. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.